0: Alrighty, so we are back for another episode, and I'm really excited about this series that we have coming up. It's be all about leadership, and uh, so to kind of just start to kick it off and to think about some things, do you consider yourself a leader?
1: This is a tough question. I don't think I'm like an obvious leader. I think I'm kind of like someone who can lead by example. I'm not necessarily the person that's going to like take charge of a situation, depending on what that situation is, I guess, but in most cases, I'd say that I'm kind of like a a backseat leader if that's possible i don't think it's a bad thing to say i can take direction and i can follow too so if there's someone else who steps up and takes the leadership role i'm not going to like butt heads with them unless there's like an issue or i don't agree with something what about you do you think you're a leader
0: so first you're like a secret weapon that's what it sounds like (laughs) like
1: boom got Catherine. i don't know about that
0: (laughs) i don't know i think my answer would be somewhere around yours like just sometimes yeah um no I, let me correct that. I think that I'm always a leader. I think that a good leader knows when to take the back seat as yes. well. Yes, they know when to take it. You have know well. how to follow mm-hmm. in order to lead. Because mm-hmm. it's a part of em- empathy, putting yourself in everybody's shoes. That way, you can understand what it is that you need to do as a leader. Yeah. So I would say that I'm a leader. Um, usually, I will kind of like take a back seat for a minute so I can observe the situation. Mm-hmm. Being the youngest of a lot of children, you have to fight to get your opinion heard. Mm-hmm. But also, you have the understanding of when it's time to say something and when it's time not to say something. Yeah. So, I definitely would say that I am a leader. And when I have the opportunity to lead or when there is an opportunity that I have the possibility to create, mm-hmm. uh, I think that I can surprise a lot of people is what I'll say. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think with that too, like there are times that I know I'm out of my realm. You need to step back and kind Mm -hmm. of observe the situation. And maybe someone else steps up and they know like better about what that situation is. They can step up as the leader. But if there's nobody else, sometimes you kind of have to make it work too. So I mean, depending on the situation, I can figure something out and use my resources and kind of step into that leadership role. But it's just going to depend. So it's like, I'm not always a leader case by case basis.
0: I think what's cool is that we kind of both you know set up some very similar things mm-hmm. and that understanding when it's time to step up and when it's time to take a back seat mm-hmm. you know like that's I think that's really important to know it makes sure that you know you aren't bumping heads with people too much because we remain flexible through it all yeah so, yeah so what would you say is your favorite leadership quality of yours
1: um favorite leadership quality of myself
0: well, we can do the reversal and you could tell me what your favorite leadership quality of me is.
1: You're putting me on the spot. So I think my favorite leadership quality about Devante is that kind of what he just explained, I can tell when he's kind of taking a step back and assessing the situation and then he always comes through with a suggestion or an answer that just like is beyond what I could have thought. Like he's just very, you're very analytical and you think of things that you just look at the facts and you know what needs to be done and you're able to come to like a conclusion or a solution
0: wow like that. friend that was so sweet yeah oh, yeah tears okay so i would say my favorite leadership quality of catherine is the fact that you always have everybody's back everybody's oh. best interest at heart that is really really important like if you see that anybody is busy with anything or they have a lot of things going on you're always Johnny on the spot like hey what do you need for me? What do you need me to do? How can I make your life easier? And that type of efficiency and that type of, you know, caringness about people, that's something that's innate. It's not necessarily something that is just learned. Mm -hmm. So that's something I really appreciate.
1: Thanks. (laughs) We've got all the feels going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So get ready for this episode. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get into it.
1: All righty. This is Wallet Watch brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. I'm your host, Catherine. And I'm your host, Devante. Welcome back, everybody. Devante and I are here with you today, and we're really excited. We have an interview with Whitney Anderson Harrell. She is the Chief Community Development Officer for MSU-FCU and OU Credit Union, and also the Executive Director of the Destro Fund, which is a foundation supporting the MSU-FCU and OUCU communities. So we're gonna talk with her a little bit today. She's got a really impressive title there. Um, And we're gonna talk with her a little bit today about how she got there and her leadership um, traits and skills and things like that. So we're excited for this. Welcome,
2: Whitney. Thank you, I'm really excited to be here and to be a part of this podcast. So thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. So to get started, could you tell us a little bit about your education and your career thus far? What kind of brought you to your current position?
2: Absolutely, well, I started my career actually here at MSUFCU. I was an intern while I was an undergrad at Michigan State University. I had a great experience while I was here and really took the opportunity to get to know not only the credit union but the people who work here. And I then finished my degree at MSU in marketing and took a position with Kraft Foods where I spent 10 years in Atlanta and three years in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I worked in a number of jobs. I started out in sales, I worked through category leadership, retail management, brand management, and had the opportunity to learn so many different skills and had so many opportunities to work with amazing customers like Walmart and Target. And then while I was in Charlotte, I actually went back to school and went to Wake Forest University for my MBA. Um, When I graduated, I decided that I really wanted to change my career and take a different approach to life and the way that I was working. And I had the opportunity because I had stayed in touch with so many different people at the credit union to hear that a position was open here in Michigan and had the opportunity to interview and come back. And once I actually received the position, it's just been an amazing four years. The credit union has grown tremendously. There has been a huge opportunity for so many new things. Like we just talked about the foundation and it's just been an amazing journey throughout my career to have it continue
0: here. So one, the resume. Excellent. <laughs> Thanks. That's how you get the paragraph title. Yeah, I go. <laughs> I love it. When you, you know, talk about your career and the things that you've been able to do, did you envision the trajectory of your career being like this or did you have something totally different in mind?
2: I had no idea. I can think back to when I was in my junior year of college at Michigan State and I was still deciding between education and um, something in business. And then I kind of came upon a marketing class and I really enjoyed it. And then I was like, okay we'll go with marketing, and then here we are. It's kind of cool because with the position that I currently have, I still get to work in education, and I still get to do some things with marketing, and I think that's the amazing thing. If you keep working hard and keep pushing and working towards your dreams and goals, you actually can attain them, and it may not be in the way that you may have thought when you were in college, but it's actually everything that you were really looking for. So. Keeping true to your passions is huge when you're thinking about what you want to do and what inspires you every single day.
1: And I feel like also, it sounds like from your career path, being open to those different opportunities. Because I can imagine yeah. you know, being in an undergrad and having an opportunity to move to Atlanta and work for craft would be, sounds like a really great opportunity and it was part of your journey, but that's very intimidating. So super scary. Yes,
2: (laughs) I was panicking when I accepted that job Mm -hmm. and had to move across the country by myself but you know I will also say like accepting the big jobs is also really cool but there will be times when you don't get the promotion and you may not understand why but you know I truly believe everything happens for a reason and sometimes those no's can be the biggest blessings in disguise and will lead to your biggest opportunities Mm -hmm. so You know, I think always keeping that positive frame of reference is huge. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been one thing that you always try to look to the positive and keep pushing and keep working hard, and it can make a big difference for you.
0: So I heard you mention passion, like Mm -hmm. following your passion and that Mm -hmm. being very important. How important do you think passion is in being a leader?
2: I think it's one of the most important parts of being a leader. If you don't have passion, if you don't believe in what you do every single day, how are you going to motivate and inspire others to do that? And I think passion is something you either have or you don't have. You can't just learn how to be passionate, It has to be a part of who you are. And I think those are some of the things that are intrinsically different for different leaders.
0: All right, cool. Well, you know, I heard you talk about you know the different Things that happen like with craft, and then coming back here and keeping those connections, you know, conscious and doing all of that. How has your career changed? How have you remained like flexible through all of that?
2: That's a really great question. I think you know the key to a big career change, and it was a big career change. So I went from CPG, consumer packaged goods, to the financial industry, and had a huge learning curve. And I think in order to do that, you actually need to be really flexible. You need to be okay with change, and you need to be okay with the fact that you're not gonna know everything that's happening next, and you need to be flexible in order to understand that and continue to learn about it. I think always being open has been a big part of becoming flexible and always willing to learn, come in early and stay late. So how do you, I imagine,
1: you know, as your career change and your company has changed and your position and everything, you have expectations for yourself for and for others, I guess, that you're managing. How do you maintain those and set expectations um, and then deal with exceeding expectations and falling short of expectations?
2: I think exceeding or falling short of expectations is a part of life. It's just how you react to those different things. So one of the most important things that I try to do every day is be upfront with myself and with others. And I think, That sounds easy, but it's actually something that is challenging for people, because it's always, when you don't meet expectations, how do you have those difficult conversations? And even when you do, you know, what if someone's exceeding expectations every day? Like, how do you maintain that feedback and talk about next steps for that individual, or for yourself for that matter? I think looking at how you set up your expectations is key, and then continuing to have those conversations is really, really important.
1: So it sounds like communication is a big factor with that. Like Absolutely. Up front and then throughout and then the follow-up. Yes. When you're working through projects and things like that. Yes.
2: Clear, concise communication. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's important too in today's day and age communication by any way is fine whether it's a text message, whether it's a phone call, whether you're FaceTiming mm-hmm. or Skyping or Webex or whatever it is, like being okay with that kind of communication mm-hmm. because that's how you're going to meet your success goals that you have.
0: So I always enjoy like the conversations that we'll have like about you know what it is that we want to do next and the fact that our creativity is cultivated here. Um, When you see someone has potential to grow professionally, how do you help them develop that? Push,
2: push, push.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I think one of
2: the keys to that is once again communication but it's also really having those conversations about what do they really want because you can see potential in someone but maybe they don't want to do anything different. Maybe they enjoy what they do every day and then how do you balance that? I think there are tons of opportunities and I think it's it's really about that conversation that you're having with each individual person to make sure that they have the opportunity to grow professionally and that it's at the pace that everyone wants it to be at, which is also difficult, Um, but it's a great opportunity to learn and grow throughout that. So I think when you think about development, it's about spending the time when you have opportunities for one-on-one meetings or just Time to pick up the phone and say, Hey, I saw this opportunity. Do you think you can go handle it? Sometimes it's about like passing the baton, sometimes it's about cultivating your own project and bringing it to the person. So I think it's whether or not people are willing to do some of those things that really helps them develop.
1: When you take on a new project, like we just, you know, started the Death Fund with yes. MSUFCU, um, for example, and Whitney is overseeing that new project how do you adjust when you take on a new responsibility like that especially such a large project how do you I guess maintain your current role and then add on something new?
2: I think well when you take on a really big project you have to be willing one to take on the time that it takes to do not just an adequate job but a great job so it's really putting in the time I think the first thing to think about when you take on a big project, especially if it's something that is new to an organization, is to step back and really plan and organize what all the steps that you anticipate are going to be, but then also leaving room for some surprises, because you never know what's going to happen. When we started the Death Star Fund, which is a foundation supporting the MSUFCU and OU credit union communities. we didn't know there was going to be a government shutdown. So at the time we had to submit our paperwork more than once and maybe the timeline wasn't what we anticipated, but we're always ready to adjust. I think you just have to be ready for change and I think that's the one constant is that you will always have change and being willing, ready and willing to adjust to that and make things happen despite of that. You have to be willing to work hard. You have to be willing to ask others for help if you don't know the answer. You have to be willing to Talk to people and find out what their best practices are and how you can take some of those ideas and use them to help your project or whatever it may be to make it the best that you can. And I, really it's about asking for help too if you need help. I, you know I already said that but I think it's key to utilize all your resources. That's the power of networking and working
0: with great teams. So you don't, you want to take advantage of all those
2: different things.
0: So in, you know, overseeing a lot of the things that happen within the community as far as different development of programs, us as financial educators, um, I know that probably trust is definitely one of the things that is important in our relationships with you. Um, what do you look for in an employee um, when you're going, when they're going through the hiring process?
2: When we're going through the hiring process, I think it really goes back down to the mission and the core values of the organization and seeing if the person who's interviewing for that really embodies that and that starts with integrity and trust. Um, At the end of the day we work at a financial institution and we need for everyone on the team to have integrity about themselves. They're going out and representing the team every single day, representing the credit union and the foundation and it's important that where we all have a consistent message, but that everyone has their own spin on that and makes every presentation their own. I think going through the interview process, you for sure get a feel for someone, Um, of course you don't know that person, so it's also about building relationships and I think that's when you really start to learn a little bit more about, about each individual that you're working with and then you can continue to build on that. I think at the end of the day, that's why you do the best you can in an interview. You check references, you look at the projects that have been done, what were you doing previously? And once you check all those boxes and get those things done, you can make your best to educate a guest and then you just have to get to know that person moving forward.
1: Mm-hmm. What would you say are the three most valuable traits for a leader to possess?
2: Three most valuable traits integrity <laughs> I would definitely say a good communicator and the ability to motivate and inspire
1: yeah I can imagine you know for a leader you that's what you do every day you try <laughs> to get the team, team together the team. <laughs> it's huge <laughs> Very cool.
0: okay and what would be your best advice for individuals hoping to be in leadership.
2: I think the best advice, one, to really remember that every day really is a job interview. I think, when I think about my career and the different things that I've done throughout my career, it's due to the fact that you have done a great job networking, that you stay in touch with people, that you continue to work hard every single day, and that in the end, it it is a lot about who you know. You have to know what you're talking about and you have to understand everything, but <laughs> it's also important to know people and to have built good relationships with people. And the second part of that would be to be yourself. You know, it's, sometimes that's super easy and sometimes that's a difficult thing, but being authentic is huge and you want to make sure that you're staying true to that.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today. We really appreciate it.
2: Thanks for having me, I'm really excited about this.
0: Wow, that was really a great interview. I appreciate Whitney so much for sitting down and talking with us about leadership traits and kinda what those things mean to her. What were your greatest points taken away from this interview?
1: So, I like how she started off and she was just kinda telling us about her career path thus far, but it spoke a lot to the importance of building relationships because she started out at the credit union as an intern when she was still in school at MSU. Um, and just because she had built those strong relationships and stayed in touch with people, um, even after she went and got experience at another company, she was able to come back and you know join the credit union. However, many years later in you know a chief community development officer role, which is amazing. And so it just speaks to her relationship building skills and how important that can be. How about you?
0: Yeah, I think that's like a perfect example of what can happen when you hold onto those relationships and you continue to foster them. Mm -hmm. That was really, really great. I think that my biggest takeaway was um, how she talked about the necessity for open lines of communication. I can't say enough how important that is. And it really speaks to specifically our department with the fact that we are in three different locations geographically Mm -hmm. and we still work as a cohesive team for one another. And I think that that really also boils down to those open lines of communication. With me, sometimes I can get stuck on a title, like looking at Whitney's title or looking at our manager's title and saying, you know, I'm only supposed to communicate with them when they communicate with me, but that was thrown right out. First, coming into the department and talking about how important those open lines of communication are. I'm just a person, you're just a person. I just happen to be your leader. You got to talk to me and let me know if you need anything or anything that may be going on. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really cool.
1: I think that's huge, especially, well, really with any company, but when there are multiple people involved with the decision or departments involved, if it's being held up because you're hesitant to reach out to that one person that's able to provide the answer, it's going to cause a backup for multiple other people potentially. And that's just not efficient. Nobody wants that. So right communication is huge. Professional communication (laughs) is important. (laughs) Be professional.
0: That part. (laughs) Okay. Any other takeaways for you?
1: Yeah. So I also really liked how she talked about when she's taking on a new project. So like the desk drawer fund, for example, was a really big new project for the credit union and for Whitney in particular. Um, And she talked about before she said yes, she had to make sure that she had the time and energy to be able to not only make it successful, but make it really, really great. So being able to first know what you're able to commit to. And then also once you're committed, knowing when you have to ask for help and knowing what resources to utilize because you can't do it all on your own. You've got to ask other people for help. If they've done something before, if they haven't done something before, someone else might be more knowledgeable on something than you. So just knowing when to utilize those
0: different resources. Absolutely. Tap all of your resources, that's important. All right, and now it's time for the CU Spotlight.
1: MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union don't just sponsor this podcast. We believe in investment in the community. We recently established another way of helping, the Death Fund, a foundation supporting the MSU, FCU, and OU Credit Union communities.
0: The Death Fund focuses on five philanthropic pillars, arts and culture, stable housing, empowering youth, financial education, and fostering entrepreneurialism. If you'd like to learn more about the foundation or donate, please visit Destrofund.org. Wallet Watch is written, hosted, and produced by Katherine Hurth and me, Devante Montgomery. Our executive producers are Whitney Anderson-Harrell and Lauren Kolarczyk.
1: Wallet Watch is brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. You can find more episodes of this show at our credit union's website, financial 40org or wherever else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in our next episode.